breaking the wall of food insecurity. How agricultural science minimizes nematode damage in sub-Saharan Africa. Wacheki Wanyochi, Kenyatta University, Nairobi. When the wall fell, I was in Kenya, still excited one month after getting a job at the university. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's really uh, a pleasure to be in this meeting and to address such a great audience and share with you about our efforts to uh, break the wall of food insecurity uh, by minimizing the damage of nematodes on crops. But first, I would like to put uh, agriculture in sub-Saharan con in, in context. It accounts for 45% gross domestic product and 60% of export earnings. It also employs 76% of the population. In fact, for most of the countries in the, in the region, agriculture is the backbone of our economy. And 80% of this agricultural production is subsistence, and it's also largely dependent on, lay, on rain. There is very little irrigation that goes on. So this is what I'll be talking about largely. That's uh, a nematode, basically a worm, whose size ranges from 0 to 0 0.2 to 12 millimeter in length. And what you see in the upper picture is the feeding structure called the stylet. And in the next picture, you see the stylet inserted, in, inserted into the plant cells as the nematode feeds. Nematodes impact greatly uh, crop production in uh, that part of the world, as it does in other parts of the world. One, they are obligate parasite, meaning that they depend, they depend on crops, specifically for their food and reproduction. They have a very wide host range, and they infect virtually all organs, the roots, the shoots, the flowers, the fruits, and the seeds. And they cause up to 60% huge losses, particularly in areas where the infestation is very high. The tricky thing about the nematodes is that they are very difficult to detect because the symptoms they cause, particularly above ground, are those that are associated with mineral and water deficiencies. And more often than not, therefore, nematodes are referred to as hidden enemies. They also reduce quality and market value of the produce, especially the root crops, as we'll be seeing later. They transmit very important plant viruses, and they also predispose crops to infection by other pathogens and pests. These are roots of uh, maize plants that are being penetrated by the nematodes. You can see the penetration is taking place right at the root tip. The root tip in the second picture is completely destroyed, and the nematodes have managed in the third picture to get into the root system, and they are already feeding as they migrate. That's a nematode that has positioned itself inside the root system and is actually feeding on the cells of the plants. These are some of the symptoms that the nematode cause on the roots. You can see on the picture on this end, you have the tomatoes. On the diseased root systems, you can see, have been completely transformed into galls. And compared to the, white, to, to the healthy ones, the fibrous root system is greatly reduced. And this means the function of the root system is greatly affected. Looking at the other effects on the root tubers, like the yams, you can see the market value is greatly affected. And for those who love kartoffel, that is potato, you have um, uh, the surface. Um, affected and changed to what like structure. And if you do a, a cross section, that is the damage that you see uh, on the upper side of the 
the, 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 the epidermis. These are the symptoms on carrots. You can see on this end, that is the healthy one, and they become deformed because of the infection by the nematodes. And you can see there is also the reduction in size of uh, the carrot. Those are mature carrots on the, the lower picture, and the uh, tap roots are completely uh, reduced, and the, their market value is also reduced. I've worked on nematodes of maize, and you can see that is a young root system of maize, the healthy one, is, has, has much more mass compared to the diseased one, and the diseased one is chlorotic, and this is what you find in older root systems, particularly just before harvest. That's on banana. Because of weakened root systems, the banana simply topples over when it is producing the banana branches, and this is a at a very critical stage because, as you note, the banana is actually unripe at this stage, it's immature, and so the farmer loses the entire banana. I said nematodes affect all plant organs. These are the effects on um, the leaves of, of rice. And you can see they are starting to, to lose their color, their chlorophyll right from the root tip all the way down, and they start to dry from the root tip. And on the picture below, you find that the ears of the rice are starting to uh, dry up prematurely. These are the effects on the wheat kernels. The ones on that end are completely transformed into seed goals. If you uh, crush that, you will get nothing else but nematodes compared to the partially healthy ones. Now, in nematode management in this particular region, there are a few considerations that we need to make. One, the majority of the farmers are subsistent farmers. What does that mean for us? It means that nematicide use is therefore impractical because of the high cost. The small farm sizes uh, also means that no meaningful following can be done, and it also means that they practice intense continuous cropping. There is also limited awareness of nematodes as important pests because of what I have said earlier, that the, the symptoms they cause above ground are very, very similar to those of mineral and water deficiencies. We also do not have a nematode-specific resistant program. And of course, a tropical climate does not make the situation any better because they ha we have no natural check like the winter. And it also means that the growing seasons are usually long and continuous. Then there are other crop, critical crop production constraints like soil infertility, pests, other pests and pathogens, and of course, drought becomes a big, big challenge. And so in trying to come up with the strategies to manage these pests, we have adopted an integrated, holistic, and multi-plonged approach. And in this meeting, I'll just be sharing with you four of those uh, strategies that we have used. And one, we use integrated strategies to actually control the pests themselves. We have also realized the need to collaborate in doing research, and so we have established a network. There is also, it is also important to properly diagonize the nematodes so that you can be able to manage them. To manage them. And then, of course, there is the issue of human capacity building, and I'll be sharing briefly on each one of those. Under integrated strategies, I'll share with you two examples of the, the strategies that we use on managing two, exam two nematodes that I've worked on largely. This is a lesion nematode on maize. Lesion nematodes causes up to 60% huge losses on maize. And I'm sure you are aware that maize is a staple crop in that part of the country. And so in managing this, we have combined intercropping, resistance, 
and green manure. And what we do is that in season one, we intercrop moderately resistant maize with legumes that are already being used by the farmers to manage soil fertility. So the, and some of the legumes that we have used are the sun hems, the jack bean, the velvet beans, and so forth. After we have harvested the maize, in the second season, we actually incorporate the green manures of the legumes, and we allow up to a minimum of 14 days before we plant the maize in the second season. And just by doing this, we have been able to achieve yield increases of up to 54%, and a, a nematode damage reduction, reduction of up to 30%. The second example is the nematode called glutenot nematode on tomato, and this we have virtually applied on all the vegetables. I showed you its effect on the tomato roots in my previous slides. And in this, we use soil sterilization, or what we call soil sterilization. We also use in a combination with organic amendments, and we also combine it with rotation. Now, in sterilizing the soils, we emphasize on sterilizing the nursery beds, and we use the solar energy. We tap the solar energy using the polyethylene mulch, which we leave on the nursery bed for up to about between 21 and 30 days. And after we remove the mulch, we now sow the seed. When the, seed, the seedlings are ready for transplanting, we prepare the holes and mix the soil in the hole with a little bit of organic amendments, and then we can now put in our tomato. Then after that, after we have grown tomato in that season, then the next season we grow sweet, sweet corn uh, and cabbage. These are some of the organic amendments that we have used. We use animal manure. We use crop residues, and we also use agro-industrial wastes, um, like Pimac, green tea residues, and rejects. We also use green manure, particularly the Mexican sunflower. And this is simply because this is also used in management of pea, the phosphorus in the soil. And by doing this, we have achieved a yield increase of up to 63% and a root knot nematode damage reduction of up to 37%. We have also established a network. That's the logo of the network. We co -found, I co-founded this in 2005, and that is our website. This is basically a platform of capacity, of, for building capacity, creating awareness among key players, conducting collaborative research, and providing peer support. It comprises of nematologists from Uganda, Kenya, Malawi, Tanzania, and Zimbabwe, and we have also established partnerships with scientists in developed countries for benchmarking and backstopping. We have also established laboratories because, like I said, it is important that proper diagnosis be done. This is a laboratory that I established in my university. So in the region, we have a total of six. We have two in Kenya, one in Malawi, one in, 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 in Zimbabwe, one in Uganda, and another one in Tanzania. These are technicians working on farmers' uh, samples that have been brought to that lab. We also conduct trainings. And so far, we have trained about 60 research scientists, plant inspectors, extension officers, and farmer groups from 2007. And to, they are from different countries, including the post-conflict countries like Southern Sudan, 
and Rwanda. And to help us do this, we have also developed a training manual that helps us do the training. We have also trained several PhDs and MSCs. What is our current thrust? We want to strengthen vocational training for extension officers, advisors, NGOs, and pharma groups. We are also in, have initiated um, an advocacy program that targets specifically the decision and policy makers so that they can invest more in soil health. We are also engaging the private firms with the name of forming sustainable partnerships. We also want to expand the coverage of NIESA and also expand uh, diagnostic labs to include the diagnosis of other pathogens and pests. And thank you very much for your attention.